Well, hello there. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? <clears throat> I'm pretty good. Uh, That's good. Are you editing this part out or? I'm going to put this one in. I'm actually going to keep it in. Okay, sounds good. All right. All right. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to introduce the show, and then I'll introduce everyone to you. All right, sounds good. All right. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show for today's podcast. I have Louis the Frenchie from the Schmoes Schmoes of the North. And tell everyone a little bit about yourself, Louis. Well, uh, yeah, basically I run Schmoes of the North. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We also have YouTube and podcasts. YouTube, we go over Schmodown uh, podcasts. It's a lot more about movies, life, and wrestling. So, yeah, uh, I've been in the podcast game for the last, I'd say, five months now. Okay, nice, man. Yeah, I've been in it for almost a year now. So, Well, I have and, to enjoy the family. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you on. And Thank you. For today's, you're, welcome, you're very welcome. And for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about streaming in the future. Then we're also going to be talking about some movie news with The Joker, with Matt Reeves. We're also going to be talking about The Last of Us. And we're also going to be talking about um, another piece of information that just dropped today as well. And that that little piece of news is the fact that The Matrix 4, uh, Candle Reeves actually enjoys the script and everything. So we're going to go ahead and talk about that. So with further ado, let's go ahead and get on with the show. Yes, so. Sir. So, anyways, we were going to talk about streaming and the way that the future is actually has come with streaming. Yeah. And I was just wondering, what are your, some of your thoughts on that? Well, streaming is going to be a, a very important fact. They, they gained so much money at the beginning of uh, the, the crisis. Apparently went down now, but they still made a big chunk that I wouldn't be surprised if you're, you see – uh, Amazon or Netflix actually buy studios and instead of having deals, having like direct, um, you know, instead of going cinemas, going into their platforms, uh, it's the future because with this crisis today that we're living in, it, you know, it might not be the last one or there might be other situations and they're losing out a lot of money. They can't leave it a chance. Right. So everyone's at their homes is guaranteed money more and more, uh, would have been released in uh, theaters are now going to be on Netflix and us, us uh, over up the north. It's Crave, which is HBO, etc. So it's uh, it's going to kill the movie business in the theaters. I can actually see it going down that way because of the fact with the whole pandemic. Like you mentioned, though, too, as well. When you look at it like this, with the pandemic, there could actually be another pandemic that's actually happening. Then we also have HBO Max that just dropped in the United States as well. Mm-hmm. And with other studios, though, like you were mentioning, that's the thing that I find most interesting, though, is the fact that, you know, we actually there's actually studios that are thinking about buying other movie theaters. Mm-hmm. So that actually opens the door in a big way, too, because now, you know, how you had like Marcel Scazy or you had Steven Spielberg talking down about Netflix, about how those are not actual movies. Mm. Therefore, they can't actually have an Academy Awards because of the fact that they're not showing in theaters. Yeah, but uh, the, the, that's like the the old, uh, not old people, but back in the day, the disc business right. with MP3, just ignoring the evolution of where things are headed, right? Because entertainment right. is entertainment. Um, you know, whatever the form you get, if you're moved emotionally, who cares about the, the, the more abstract concept of what you think an entertainment is? 
people exactly. people watch it, people enjoy it. It's going to change the world, and um, it's the future. Most definitely, and who, like you said, who cares about the format or whatever? Because we're still getting content. We're still getting original content. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be performed a little bit differently than what we normally do than going out to the movie theaters and everything. And even then, uh, there's something that uh, there's a phenomenon right now in my area. I don't know if it's the same for other other areas, but there's a resurgence um, if there is movies. Uh, having like an event um, in a type of uh, how, how do you say this in, in English? Uh, uh, a movie, uh, movie park, a drive-through. Right. Yeah, drive-in. A drive-in. There you go. The, yeah, yeah. the drive-ins are getting more and more popular here uh, because of you know you're in your car. There's no contact. Uh, you know you have that, but cinemas itself. Like I don't know if I'm going back to cinema soon. There's this weird stigmata that you know the world's reopening, and I'm not. You know, I'm not comfortable sitting two hours in a dark room and having people next to me, you know? Right. I understand that completely. And you know what? As a matter of fact, I saw a survey done on SEN's Facebook group where mm. someone asked if, you know, if we would actually feel more comfortable with the movie theaters opening up in July. And I feel a little bit comfortable with it opening up in July opposed to now or May. Because back in May and June, I felt like that was a little too soon. Mm. But also, too... The movie theaters in general, I don't feel comfortable sitting next to somebody. But you know what's actually pretty neat? My my local theater is actually doing this: private screenings for people mm. to where to where you maybe have like a family of ten or maybe five or three people, and you can actually book that for like forty bucks. So therefore, you don't have to worry about other people. You can just go in and enjoy the movie for what it is. Sitting privately, uh, that's, that's actually pretty interesting. Um, yeah, but at the same time, it's a it's a hassle. But it's not a hassle. They're, they're sort of making money. Yeah, it is smart business, right? Um, <clears throat> I got a question for you though. If okay. if the movie business, like in theaters or like the big events, uh, they want to survive, right? Except for like right. the Marvels and the really explosion, the the normal movies like the, that are worth seeing big screen but are taking a lot of space because of the other movies. What do they have to do to survive the streaming wars? The way I see it is have good PR. You actually have to have a good person, a good PR person surrounding the film to actually promote the film the way that it needs to be promoted mm. and a good trailer. Those are the things that sells people. If you throw in a crappy trailer and don't get me wrong, we actually see uh, crappy movies for good, uh, crappy trailers for good movies. And we've seen some bad ones for good ones, but you actually need to promote it, and even if the theater, even though the studios may not be one hundred ten percent behind it, they have to fake like that they actually mean it, and fake like that they believe in this film. Because if they don't have faith in it, then why should we have faith in it? Yeah, but I also seen really bad movies in theaters, so <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's you know, Zoolander two. I'll never get back my money. Um, oh God, I feel old for you. <laughs> um, I, I I walked out of that movie so fast. Uh, but yeah, no, for streaming itself, it's going to be interesting to see though. Now this is the future. Now that we're all, you know, if, if you don't know what Netflix is, it's either you came from the past in a time uh, travel machine or you lived under a rock. Everyone knows what Netflix is, but with competition like Amazon and I don't know, I think there's Hulu in the U S what else is there? There's Hulu, there's HBO max. Now there's Netflix or Disney plus. Hmm. then uh you also have a bunch of other stuff too like you also have your horror thriller one now that they actually have yeah slasher or no 
yeah, slasher. I believe that's what it's called. Yeah. Or thriller or something something around those areas. But, you know, it's just going to get more and more uh, evolving with all these streaming services. And then we also have uh, another thing, CBS All Access is going to be having that Stephen King show, The Stand, coming out mm, pretty soon. Mm. And and everybody's going to want to subscribe to that. Yeah, and also you're going to, I personally think going to see formats changing because you're having big studios come in, right? But also means right. eventually, honestly, yeah, like you look at TV right now, especially like with the events, they had to do reruns. TV is is no surprise, not the best content out there. So eventually, no. they're gonna need to find a way to to, to survive. And I think if you were like an NBC or a channel that has a couple of uh, of shows, but your main income now is sports, is to have a streaming service like let's say Netflix buys NBC and they have all the whatever NBC carries as a sport, you know. So you'll have your own TV or have streaming. But you'll also have live content and maybe even news eventually, depending what area you're in. Uh, it's going to really take over movies and TV and, and bring it in a very compact form. That's how I see the future of streaming. I can definitely see it going down that road. And matter of fact, I want to actually add in something, too, about drive-ins, because you mentioned that in uh, a few minutes yeah. ago. And we're actually getting drive more drive-ins down here, too. Mm. There's They're actually opening up drive-ins down here as well. And everybody feels more secure because they're in the car, like you mentioned before. But another thing that I want to talk about, too, is the evolution of the streaming service, like you just mentioned. Yeah, I could definitely see where uh, studios like an NBC would act, or Netflix might actually want to combine the two, where you get original content and original movies. And you can also have your live sports, too. Mm-hmm. So you can have your cake and eat it, too. <laughs> so, yeah, it's and it, you see, uh, w- it's hard to predict what's out there, right? What's going to be. But if you look at the patterns, everything is merging, you know? Uh, the sure. well, I think it's the which studios merged together recently. Uh, they're Disney and Fox. Disney and Fox, but I think there's other ones, no? I think that's the only one that comes to my mind huh. right off the bat because that's, like, the most popular. But I don't know. I think Lionsgate, I, no? Lionsgate. Merger. Let me see. Let's see. Gate merger. Well, I know that it was reaching a crossroads at one time or another, too, with Lionsgate. Mm. And then we're probably looking for someone to merge, from what I gathered. All right, maybe um, but I wasn't maybe sure. I'm wrong, but I know there's, you know, they're gonna have they're gonna have to do what the 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 music business did, right? Merge the big ones into one mega one to survive. Uh, right. They won't have with iTunes. Yeah, right. they they they'll have no choice eventually because it's there's so many users on on a couple of them that the smaller ones pop up, but they won't live, right? They'll have interesting content, but they're going to get swallowed up. So it's going to come back to to having the same issues as as TV. It's going to be eventually so expensive because that's what's happening in in Canada, right? The format they did for streaming uh, is, it's called Crave. Crave is owned by Bell Canada. Bell Canada is one of the biggest telecom uh, companies in Canada, and they merge with HBO and Stars. So there's three tiers to it, right? You got uh, right. the cheapest one is just Crave, which is like new releases, but there's not much. 
Then you got HBO Showcase together. It's an extra $10. And then you got Stars. It's an extra of like $10, $15. So you can go go up like to, to easily over $30. And that it's that eventually, if you got two, three services like that, it's going to cost you 100 bucks anyways, you know? Exactly. And I know a lot of people down here are actually kind of the core with DirecTV. And like you mentioned, with them doing like, even on Hulu, for example, they actually have it to where you can actually do move up to where if you want to have stars on there, it's like an extra couple of dollars a month. Mm. And by then, like you said, you're paying at least $30 for a streaming service. Exactly. And w- you know, which I, I am doing because I complain. I don't complain about it. I, I, I like observed it, but I'm still willing to pay it because um, I, I like retro movies. Right. So, I love, yes, things from HBO. Like, the TV show is good. I don't like their movies. Showcase, Elvis and Dexter, you know, and uh, The L Word. Right. What else is there to watch? Uh, so, I, I need stars. Ray Donovan. Right. I, I tried. I really, I'm, after episode two, I was like, eh, nah, not, not for me. You see, I was like that, too. I was like that the same way, too. I was like, eh. You know, I needed that feel of something after mm. Dexter, and it's like, eh, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of empty, so I just kind of canceled Showtime after that. Okay, all right. See, for me, it's uh, Showtime's included with HBO. It kind of like you have no choice to take it if you want HBO. Uh, it, it's it's gotcha. the rejected uh, kid that you know you kind of have to accept apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, one thing I've been realizing though, Netflix is it me? Or maybe it's just me, but they're not coming out with the greatest content these days, or I'm just getting the wrong feed. No, no, because I'm feeling the same way you are, man, because even with their original content, it's like hit and miss. Yeah. You know? Like, I watched the David Spade movie, just Missy, and I'm supposed to laugh at a David Spade movie, and yes, there are segments in it that I like. But it wasn't like a diehard slapstick comedy like I was expecting from a David Spade movie. Same thing with Lovebirds, which was not an original content, but it was supposed to be released over into Paramount. And then they released it over to Netflix, and I'm not even laughing at that. Yeah, and CC, their their movies are very weak, except for a couple of exceptions. Like, I forgot the one that was, I think, nominated about uh, the... Um, the guy using uh, kids as uh, uh, soldiers or something with... Uh, what's his name? Uh, from oh, uh, um, escape room. Fuck. I know who you're talking about. Uh, not Sylvester Stallone. Not no, Bob. the black um, African American uh, guy. Fifty Fifty Cent. No, not at all. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Forrest Whitaker. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. It was I like this Uganda movie. Else than that, that was really impressive. Uh, they don't have much movie wise, and this is where they're gonna have no. to eventually merge because you. Yes, it's cool having your own your own content, and you have a lot of money to do so. But I think the free form of like letting the directors be do what they want it is going to go for hit and miss a lot of the times. So they might need to merge, let's say, with a Universal and have their, like their studios and you know combine a movie studio with a streaming service to produce higher quality things that normally you would see in the movies True. or in the, in the cinemas, right? But you have it in front of you. Right. They're lacking production value. Yes, they have the money, but it doesn't always you know, form like it should. 
Right. Another thing, too, I want to mention, though, like you only have these are the only shows that I watch on Netflix. And these are the only original content I watch is the Ozarks, which mm, is really mm, good. Mm. I, I, I watch Raising Dion, which is another good sci-fi show, which is underrated because no one hardly ever talks about it. Um, then I also watched Lock and Key, which is actually pretty good from a Joe Hill uh, TV series. Yeah, and it's uh, actually the son of Steven Spielberg that wrote the comic. Sti- uh, yeah, Stephen yeah, that's King, what I mean. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> it's, it's cool. Um, and then Stranger Things. I mean, that's like the only four shows that I watch, basically. Me as... Besides Daybreak. It, it actually relates to, to a piece we're going to talk later uh, from the Wachowski sisters now. Um, there was this uh, Netflix show. I forgot the name of it. Uh, okay. uh, I don't know how to spell the name Wachowski's. Uh, Sensate. Uh, I I know it got canceled and it was very underrated. I love that show. Uh, It was such a smart, very different, but felt so familiar Uh, and very diverse cast. It was amazing and I got so pissed when it got canceled. I agree with you on that because, you know, the originality behind that show mm-hmm. was really good. And I just don't understand how a show like that, especially by the Tchaikovsky brothers or sisters, is a, wasn't uh, not a the, the cup of tea for a lot of people because it's, it's, you're not in the middle here. It is completely left, right? It's very liberal. Uh, it right. has uh, actual transsexual uh, uh, actors playing transsexual roles and gender be- uh, bending uh so there's a right. lot of you know open-mindedness that people need to have you know there's a bisexual character it's not about sex but it's real life you know it really presents how the diversity of the world is and as much as people right. clamor for it sensate is a proof that people are not ready for it in the most part I can agree with you on that on the most part and everything too, because numbers don't lie. Statistics don't lie whenever it comes Mm. down to stuff like that. It's just like, you know, people are not ready to be exposed to that kind of open-mindedness that they need to actually be exposed to. And with me, I'm I'm pretty much like this. Just give me a good show and I'll watch it. I don't care or anything like that, what they put in it or whatever. As long Mm. as it's a good show, a good plot and everything, the characters, as long as the characters are something that people can relate to, and the good back and forth between the characters and everything. I don't care about the trans. I don't care if they're trans or anything like that. If they bring their A game, they bring their A game. You know what I'm saying? But I yeah, but and again, I I completely agree. <laughs> but yet it was a good show, and th- that's the 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 weird thing about Netflix, right? Uh, a lot of directors say, "If only I had control and power of my movie and my show." Well, they do in this case. They right. they could do whatever they want, right? Uh, and they did. The, the sisters right. did what they wanted to do, but it still didn't work because it just, certain things are hard to translate, right? This show was so True. so completely on other level of thinking. Uh, there was a lot of spirituality, which you know is to be expected with uh, with the Wachowski sisters uh, type of production, but at the same time, such a weird and 
interesting story. So it, it was just perfect on every angle and still flunked, you know? It, it kind of feels like if you put right. Firefly on streaming services and they still would have canceled it, you know? Right. And, you know, I'm always one of those people that says the studios need to go on ahead with the directors, make their choices. But sometimes, just sometimes, the studios need to step in and be like, this is not going to translate over well. Maybe if you change this scene and put it in this way, maybe it might actually translate better. And and this is where the universal uh, comment comes in, in, right? Or any other studio. I think it's, it's time that Netflix has the money, but has to kind of swallow what swallow their pride in what they're doing right now because for me it's not working the only thing i'm interested in is a couple Mm. tv shows right now and 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 that's about it and a couple of documentaries their documentaries doing good shows could be better but doing good but they need a partner in the movie part you know where uh, hell give us blue a blumhouse blumhouse netflix that would be mind-bending oh (laughs) i love something original they're hit right. I here's the thing with Bloomhouse. Bloomhouse is hit and miss with me, but I can actually respect the fact that they want to try something original and they want to put something together. It may not translate well from screen to pa- from paper to screen, but I give them I commend them for actually trying to give us something. Yeah, and and that they're giving something new. They're get, they're they're trusting their their people, but having the right amount of salt. Except if you know the right. last Shamla movie. You know, WTF, you know, after split, that's what you give us. But uh, that being said, either being merged or having a partnership with a a smaller studio or studio to give us, you know, things that are completely different and are really engaging for an hour and a half, which they're having trouble to do. You know, I don't remember the last Netflix movie I've watched. Oh, yeah, it was that horrible uh, action movie. Crap. Oh, oh, good lord! Yeah, I think. Oh, I was just going to talk about that too. <laughs> that, that's how I. That's that's a good reference. I'm glad that we're both. I kind of. That's where I that. lost faith. Netflix. Netflix kind of slipped out of my heart after seeing that movie. Well, like I was telling my girlfriend, I said it's like Netflix gave Michael Bay some money and some cocaine, and be like, "Here, sniff this, make your movie, and have fun." Yeah, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> because I just didn't like that film, especially when you. I'm okay with action scenes, but when you see an action film at the very beginning, and it's nothing but a whole an hour and a half of them, or 20 minutes of them, nothing but action of them speeding in a car. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, because I, I agree. The first five minutes, like, oh, this is cool. I wanted to love it, but after a while, you're like, is this going to be the whole movie? And then there's points that it drags so long, the intensity that I was just bored. And when there's like a really big event that happens, someone dies at the beginning, you're supposed to be like, holy shit. But then it's like, all right, finally something happens. You know, so that's not a reaction you want. That's that's, that's definitely not what you want. But again, uh, with that director, as much as I hate on him, I have respect for him for what he did for The Rock. I have respect for what he did with um, Pain and Gain. That was such a surprise. Oh, I love Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain is one of my favorite. But you see that, and that's what sucks. And that's why you know, if you go creative 
like you said, cocaine and way too much money with uh, with that guy it doesn't work. But he did pain and gain. So if he really was something focused in, and you know had more of a yeah, it, it could have worked. He could have done something interesting. Like I would love to see what Guy Ritchie would do because he's very hit and miss too. But again, you would need a partner, you know, to to give that movie experience. Right. Most definitely. And you know what? We're going to be talking about Michael Bay in a little bit too. But I, I mean, I like Bad Boys. I like the two, first two Bad Boy movies by him. The third one was really good. And that's by two directors. And they did a mm. phenomenal job. But when Michael Bay is making those movies like with Bad Boys, I felt like the explosions weren't actually necessary for that universe that he was creating with Bad Boys. With Transformers, I felt like a two and a half hour Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Like again, and these are examples, and uh, because this one, I think Netflix is not gonna last because they have to, they have to start. Not as not. I gonna say this. Not only do they need to to buy in uh, movie studios or have connections, they're gonna eventually have to have franchises as well, right? Because. Um, Right now, there's there's going to be a DC, or I think there's already a DC streaming service. Uh, there's going to be a lot more content comic book based or like franchise based, right? So eventually, right. I wouldn't be surprised having like Hulu associating with anything to do with Vertigo, uh, not Vertigo, but like one of the Image comics, right? And if you want Image comics related stuff, you have to go on Hulu. And same thing's gonna happen for a lot of uh, of the things like Lord of the Rings. Eventually, if there's it really explodes and works, is gonna be associated to one streaming service. So Netflix is gonna have to find a franchise that works to, as well, because I think that's the future of streaming is not only the partnerships but also original content that you're already familiar with because there's hundred or fifty years of history. That's actually true too, and I also want to point this out too. Did you know Netflix is actually a Holy billion dollars? No, did not know that. Yeah, I found that off off of the John Campia show a couple of months back. They're about a billion dollars in debt, but I don't know how they make their money on Governments. how they do everything. But yep, government funded probably. But you know, it made me wonder. They do need a franchise. They definitely do because that's what all the studios are looking for now. Is franchise they're not looking for like one-off movies yeah. anymore or one-off tv shows they're looking for yeah, a and franchise. that's a, that's the thing though like it, it's such a tricky thing it you can't predict if a franchise is gonna be good or not but you can go gut, gut instinct and put your money into it like feige did with uh, guardians of galaxies right that was a big ass risk but he had a feeling there's a right. space opera with flashy feel and, and he went for it and he and he did an amazing movie. So if your gut feeling says this franchise might work, you go in. But it, it's such a big go risk because it. you saw so many potential. We're going to make six movies and they make one and it flops, you know, especially with Netflix's history. Right. <laughs> I, most definitely. And I believe in celebrating too early. Like when they announced, like, this is just a major company. I'm just... um that I'm just going off of, like, well, we're going to go ahead and make three of those, and then all of a sudden it just bombs, and then all of a sudden yeah. there's just silence. 
yeah, I, yeah. It, it's again, it's it. There's a difference between hoping this movie and knowing this movie is going to be be good because you put all your eggs in a basket and it has to perform. Compared to there's everything's clicking right. There's this vibe. Everything's going well. The story is such a unique story. I'm excited because I believe in it. There's a big difference. The people who celebrate too fast is because they have no choice. That's their last hope, you know? So, right. um, and I, while you're talking, um, there's one franchise that popped in my head. <clears throat> Might be an interesting thing for Netflix to do, especially if we, they want to target uh, a more like maybe 16 to 30 demographic with, to buy out Hasbro. To have G.I. Joe, N- Ninja Turtles, have all the, the toy-based things made Finally, for fans, you know, uh, and give us a Transformers, uh, GI Joe, uh, TNMT that we all are clamming for. Exactly, and we have like our Diablo mm, that we yeah, want. True. We can have this because I would love to see it. I'm a diehard Diablo fan, and I'm also a diehard Magic the Gathering fan, which they said they were going to do, but they never done a movie of it yet. But I'm a diehard fan of Diablo. I grew up. Playing Diablo, and I would love to see a fantasy-based movie. Who, who would you like to to showrun that Diablo? Let's say pick a director to showrun it. I would like to actually have Patty oh, Jenkins really? to do the first one. Yeah, a little bit outside the box kind of thinking, but she was able to do hmm. Wonder Woman really well when she brought the darkness, but also brought in some light too. So if you actually bring in some lightheartedness with some darkness, it could actually balance each other out. That's I think interesting. Would be yeah, the, she she can do like fantasy. She can do like the the older things, with swords and everything, as we can see, as we all know. And it's about war, right? That I I, I never would have thought about that, but that's uh, right. you you've obviously thought about it in the past in your lonely times, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Like as I'm watching Wonder Woman, I'm like, you know what? Jenkins, she might be pretty good for the eyes. Uh, in my end, I would have to go look at IMDb, <laughs> yeah. but I have like there's no one that pops in my mind per se. No, too sta- that's the thing. Del Toro likes to do his own thing. You have to. I, I, I love that too, and but I, like I have that. a franchise based off of that. Uh, it could be tricky because you have to keep your fans, but also originality in hand. Oh. That being. Oh, yeah, yeah. Give me a second. Um, <laughs> I think I have someone very uh, non-expected, but I have a feeling that he can really play well on darkness and emotion. Is Fede Alvarez, who directed Don't Breathe. Oh, definitely. Definitely on that. Uh, yeah, Fede Alvarez movie. Uh, I would love to see if you give him a budget. Not too much, but a good budget. Uh, and maybe an eight episode story arc, what he could do with uh with Diablo. Most definitely an eight series, limited series thing. I'm all for it. I would And honestly, I right now, going I with what you're saying, Diablo, uh, for anything to do like Diablo, D and D, etc., a lot of people are saying, Oh, let's do a big epic thing. I'm also a very strong believer of having a show like American Horror Story, which is like a different story per season in in a franchise. I would love to right. see 
different uh, every season to have a different story of Diablo because you can play multiple characters, right? So you follow the story of a character for one story arc. Right. You can bring them, they can cross over eventually, but you still follow a different character every every season. And that would make for such interesting shows because you don't have to follow what you did before. You can create your own unique thing that is in the same world, right? Right. I agree with that, man. That's a good anthology series, if you think about it. Because you're not following around the same uh, characters or anything like that. The writers won't be handcuffed to writing about the same character. They'll be Exactly. And the last season, let's say last season seven, right? You do one final season that ties every season of anthology because one character appeared in one episode and the the seeded an, uh, uh, an information or storyline that all accumulates a last season where all the seasons come together, you know? Right. I agree with that. I would, like I said, anthology series, I'm all for. That's excellent. You know what, though? Mm. I actually thought of a D&D idea. And you know how I was like, well, we want a live action one. Well, what if you actually have these kids around a tabletop game playing D&D. And then what they do is they're actually reenacting it huh. the way they actually see it in their heads. So therefore they become those characters within the game itself, but they don't get sucked into the game. It's just that when they roll something, you actually see something happen to that character. It all interacts inside that world. Yeah, that they it, actually built. That, that's interesting. Yeah, but you see what you were talking about that my mind went to Jumanji and you when he said not actually going into the, it, it going into the the thing kind of made me disappoint because I actually would love to see them in stuck in. So my take right. on it is I agree on most of the part except for that fact. I would love to them to have a Jumanji for adults, right? That you're in the game, but when it oh. when you die, it's bloody. It, it it it's it uses the same mechanisms as Jumanji, but you add an adult twist to it. True. And it's bloody as F. And you know, certain characters realize this is real, and some of them have post traumatic stress. You know, like you, you, you better cast your fireball fast, <laughs> and, and and don't forget your books. If not, we're we're gonna exactly. kill you. <laughs> and you better yeah. roll that net so, nine, no, or else you're dead. There's so much you can do, you know, and and that's what right. I hated in the past. The, and that's what's fun with having streaming services. You have liberties. But again, restrain now. Please restrain some stuff. But having liberties of having unique ideas. Because before right. it was just going to be, let's do an epic story and follow the same patterns we used to always follow it and not try anything new. Uh, it, it was boring, you know? Like, there's rare, really good fantasy movies that right. work, in my opinion. And if you want it to work, you have to have something unique, you know? You have to... To, to play with the idea for, for you, especially the hardcore fans that have seen it all, it, I think it's a necessary. Most definitely. You have to have that balance somewhere within that universe that you're trying to create. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just going to be show. Real. There's another show I'm hoping it's going to get you know? picked up. Um, and I honestly wouldn't mind seeing HBO do it. Would be a Judge Dredd TV show. I'm and have Carl Urban come Dredd back. Dredd for me, he is he is Judge Dredd. Yep. 
Agreed. Agreed 110%. And I know they're doing a bunch of comic book-based stuff right now with uh, HBO Max. Like, we're, we're getting uh, Justice League Dark. We're getting our oh, uh, yeah, true. Yeah, Snyder yeah, yeah. Cut, finally, on HBO Max. So, having a home for comic books within the DC stuff, and even though that's not DC, but they can expand with other, like, image comics and stuff like that, too. So, I wouldn't mind if you know, HBO Max says, "Hey, look, can mm. we have the rights over for Dread?" I would. Oh, yeah, I would it. die if that happened. There's there's a couple of like uh, comic book franchises that really deserve. Like again, the future of of streaming is franchises because you got things like Spawn, you got things like um, uh, right. I'd say Fables. I right. don't know if you're aware of <clears throat> Fables from Vertigo. Oh. Okay. Um, uh, no, not on here. Crap. Uh, 100 Bullets one. needs to be made. There's a couple of things that, you know, definitely need to, to, to go on a, a streaming service, comic book-wise. Right. And you know what? We were talking about Netflix. You know, the thing that they had going for them that I don't know why that they canceled was you had your ah, I, I understood why they canceled it. It it got boring. It got they were too limited. Well, I like the mm. Punisher and I like Daredevil on what they did with that. But huh. when it came down to Jessica Jones, I liked the first season. Then after that, you saw where it just tanked. They shouldn't have killed off Purple Man. That's where they messed up at. They could have kept Purple Man in there, and then that would have actually amplified it even more. And mm. Luke Cage, I didn't really care for yeah. it. I thought it was anticlimactic. Never the recovered. First season yeah. to the point where I was like, I eh, can't even remember Defenders, up. to be honest. No. I, I, I like, yeah, my, my brain either, is protecting me from the PTSD is going to cause me. Um, and that, that's the thing. And, and maybe that's why Netflix <laughs> might be a bit wary of going in franchises. But that, and that's a problem, right? Too. Like they had a deal with Disney and this Disney backed out saying, hey, we're, we're doing our own thing. Bye bye. So, they have to buy like right. again. If I were them, I would buy Hasbro or I would buy something you would ne- ne- not necessarily always think like D and D. You know, there's so many stories in the D and D world. It's not just Dungeons and Dragons. There's um, the books. There's so many books. I had had a couple of them. There's like specific, right? You know, sub stories uh, retaining to a couple of like uh, eras of D and D. You know. So they have to find something that they can de- dive deep and do like four or five shows, spinoffs, and movies, uh, and hoping it works. If not, I think they're in trouble eventually. I agree. I think after a while, Netflix is gonna not going to be the king of Mm-mm-mm-mm. streaming. I think Disney's going to I have a question role. for you. ABC, what sports do they, um, do they uh, carry? They carry pretty much, let's see here, they actually carry over to football and some other stuff too. Let's see. They carry into the golf, which I don't really watch. Um, <laughs> NASCAR, of course. Uh, uh, soccer. Then, okay, uh, I know. Yeah, and because, and because I'm trying to determine how it would work, right? If... Because if they carry so many, let's say Disney wants to go into the sports business, 
do they have control of all the matches for one sport or would they only be able to show a couple of teams? So that's the thing. Like, let's say you want to have the NHL on Netflix exclusive. How, what would it take? You know, uh, I'm very curious. I, I don't know how that would work. Right. Huh? I wonder if they have to buy shares, like be where they can, where they can actually buy half of it like they did with Hulu before they took over because they own 30% of Hulu. Now they have 60% of Hulu now. That's interesting. Okay. Because of Fox. Huh. All right, that, that might work. But the, the, I'm sure there's uh, there's so, one of them that's going to jump, jump the gun and do it because it's the natural, you know, the, na- the natural evolution. Right. Exactly. We always see mergers in the future and stuff like that. It's a natural right. thing with business. Uh, so, let's see here. What do you think about the Matrix? Oh, man, I love this. I lo- I, Keanu Reeves the is the dopest Canadian. I'm so proud to be Canadian because of this guy. Um, fun fact, he still <laughs> rides the, the, the public bus. Um, I love it. That's I really. <laughs> how can I say it? My love for the first one forgave the second and third. Right, hoping that this is going to be their, right. you know, opus deus, yeah, redemption, their their masterpiece. Redemption. Because if it's is what they're describing, beautiful and intelligent. Again, I'm a big fan of Sensei. There were so many interesting messages, such an interesting concept. Uh, but it has. In the Matrix form, it got lost in second, third. I want them to tie back and and you know make the things that make no sense in the second and third, and finalize it in the fourth one. Don't do a trilogy. Don't go off of uh, doing this expanded, um, expanded world. Concentrate on on four. Do four its own story that progresses on its own without having grandiose ideas yep. for next ones. Concentrate on that one. See how it uh, how it you know actually works out and if it's good you build off of that so i'm happy i just hope they're concentrated enough on one movie and not a grand idea that's what i'm hoping too i'm all for one about comebacks but wachowskis are very hit and miss when it comes down to the movie universe now and everything no no go go ahead bro go ahead like you said oh sorry go on Okay, so like I like you mentioned, the very first one was the best. The originality behind it, the whole fact that we live in the Matrix, and then here mm-hmm. he is in the other part of the world that's supposed to be the real world, and how it actually connects, and how the how the whole entire mechanics of the technology mm-hmm. came back to bite us in the ass and everything. That was actually pretty cool. But it's like they ignored all the rules that they set up for the first one, and they just decided to go. And that's where I hope whatever they wanted. Fourth connects back to one, right? So you have second and third, which is like the misinformation stage. Like they throw you off the loop, saying, "Ah, this is how the story is." And on the fourth one, they do something so clever that actually second and third makes sense why they went that direction, even though it wasn't, you know, their purpose. If they're able to fix those mental loopholes and just say how you know what we told you in the first one is not real if they're able to tie in second and third and make the first one even better 
that would work, right? Finally cl- completing the, 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 the chapter and maybe opening up, yes, to other possibilities, but really, you know, concentrating on one thing, uh, it would work. One thing that's making me one thing that's making me worry is as I, much as I love the main bad guy in in um Agent Smith in the first three movies, I hope they actually have right a unique and so, a, a villain that actually advances the storyline in a different way than Agent Smith did. Oh, I agree with you with that because here's the thing. I feel like they should have went on ahead and killed Mr. Agent mm. Smith on the first one and be done with it and then have another character within the Matrix that has layers to that character to where he's nice during the daytime, mm. but at nighttime, it's a mm. whole different story. He's a douchebag kind of thing to where Neo has to put him down. Otherwise, something is going to happen. Now, a question for you. Zion or no Zion? Zion? You don't want to. Here's my prediction. With this one, humans have actually starting to be on the surface, and Mm. like, like they're concept. Like there's this this truce right that happened in the third one, and we don't really know what happened to Neo, right? I really hope that Neo comes back as. How can I say this? He's not good. He's not evil. He, I, I have a feeling he's going to be the next architect. And he, the, the, and now he can. He made a truce with the machines. He almost like presented a biz, a business plan, and they're like, okay, architect number one, you're out. We like more this new architect, so he can really form the matrix the way he wants it, and that's more just for humans and and machines. But something goes awry, right? And he understand, you know, there's there's a way that the architect did it the first way, and try to to, to understand where that all come from, right? So establish more mythology, but don't put Neo as the main bad guy, as the main good guy. If you're doing multiple movies, put him main, and then put him as a god character afterwards. Right. That would be interesting to see, but I would also like to see it, like you mentioned, now with the whole business side of it. I like to see a vulnerability of Neo to where he's like, oh my God, I did this. How could I yeah, my, yeah. myself for doing this? Yeah, it's... And has that cause it, and effect it, type of it thing. It could really play on the themes of, you know, uh, how people with good intentions when in power still become evil, you know? Or not evil, but they, 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 they do things that but they that never would have guessed or expected them to do because they think they know themselves, you know? Exactly, and then they just get sucked into. The uh, as long as you don't, you don't go like uh, Game of Thrones route and completely rip out my heart, you know, <laughs> with the, with with Daenerys and like have no redemption at all. That would right. suck. That would suck, right. and I agree with you on that ending. <laughs> um, so let's see here. Next, we have. We have uh, The Last of Us. I'm not series. a big gamer. Now, have you Full disclosure, the, the game's like, it, the last three right. years, uh, 90% of the time I've been playing NHL. <laughs> um, the can, the Canadian in me has, is oh nice is a diehard uh, hockey fan. And I like simulation <laughs> games. I like like um, uh, City Skyline, stuff like that. 
So action games, I'm very picky. I've seen my dad play. I know a bit of the story. Uh, I've the one thing I would say is I don't know the movie, but I know there's a huge following and a huge love for the games. So I really hope it works and it really delivers for those fans. And you never know, I might become a fan eventually, right? Right. Right. And you see, I'm oh, we're gonna have troubles. I'm Montreal. I'm Montreal, man. I'll start swearing in French right now. Je te I said, don't even okay, start because I, I can start something with the whole Bruins thing, man. You would know, you, you said San Jose, you would said uh, like Dallas Stars, okay. But you say Toronto or you say Boston, I like you a bit less now. That's it. <laughs> But you know what though? I'm hey, probably like the, I, maybe the nicest Bruins I, that's fan that cool. you probably You still like the Bostons, and that and is I'll, a flaw. <laughs> all right. All but right, how about right, this? We'll right. just take the good. movies and we um, won't have to worry about that. But yeah, like yeah, I hope it goes well. And <laughs> right. I love the his movies, so uh and his, his stuff he's done, right? So uh, I'm not sure if he can bring the tone because I don't really understand the tone of Last of Us, but I really hope it works. Okay. Well, this is the thing. I here's here's the thing. I'm also picky with survival mm-hmm. zombie mm-hmm. games because here they're hit and miss for me on so many levels. And what I loved about Last of Us was you have this character named Joe. He loses his daughter, and then during this whole entire horrific thing that happens, he meets this other girl that reminds him of his daughter, mm. and therefore they be they have this bond with each other. And that's what I loved. I love the bond and the chemistry between the two of them. Even though they're not, they're not father and daughter, there's actually moments where it actually feels like he's, there's okay. actually a father and daughter moments with her. And that's what I loved about The Last of Us was how it can actually tear at your heart heartstrings on this game. Because you're also playing as the daughter too, so it actually, whenever you, you get to play as one character, you can also play as okay. another character too later on in the video game. And that's why I love the game. And for them to do a TV series, I'm all for it because I believe not every video game video game adaptation needs to be a movie. I would love to actually see something oh, be made into a TV I series. I completely agree. And Like Assassin's uh, Creed. <laughs> I always have been a strong believer of video games being way more adaptable on TV series because you have to explore a lot deeper, you know, Unless you're doing what a, a Pong movie, you know, <laughs> but video games don't usually translate well on movies because right. they're very complex beings. So you have to separate it. That being said, someone who you know, it's I don't know, I didn't know who he was, but I've seen Chernobyl, and holy s, does that pull your heartstrings? It's so hor- horrific. Um, Johan Rank really was able to showcase an event that we thought we knew but we didn't know the full story and when you realize what certain people had to go through to you know to minimize um to to minimize the the damages and the repercussions of one of the most disastrous events in in human history he was able to do that and he was able to make it interesting and intriguing 
So I find that translates well in the post-apocalyptic um, uh, storyline, right? The emotion is still there. Uh, the circumstance is completely different, but you need that kind of director who has that kind of sensibility to make it work. Most definitely. And I think with the right writers, the right director, you can actually do a lot with uh, the stuff that you Was there a favorite uh, on your part? Is it someone you were ho- so, you was hoping who would show run? Yeah. To be honest with you, to be, okay. whenever it comes down to TV series, it's a little bit different for me because it's kind of hard to pick and choose because I'm a movie kind of guy I'm and I am like TV series a little bit more because it actually... Here's the thing. It's basically mm. a TV series, but it's also like a 10-hour movie, for example, if you have like 10 episodes. But for me to pick a director okay, no, for a TV but series, you see, that's getting intertwined eventually because the showrunners are like directors, but a, a larger scale. They're like the Kevin Feige's, you know? They create right. worlds. So I... Right. Um, I had one uh, person that I really wanted, like either like the creator to showrun. You might not know him. His name is Sam Esmail. Uh, he actually created Mr. Robot. No. Yeah, and Mr. Robot. Oh, wow. uh, if I didn't know. He no one, uh, if the people listening to us don't know what it is, uh, is uh, the book that's based off of uh, Fight Club, right? Uh, but like more of a, the, the actual story. And Mr. Robot is such an interesting, paranoiac um, character development story that would lend well to The Last of Us, if I understand correctly what that type of story is. Right. I can actually see that, but I also wouldn't mind mm. seeing like a David, Ch- like David see, Chase mm, getting But I don't know who that is. <laughs> Especially after... Well, he's the director. Oh, the guy who oh, wrote, oh, oh uh, and directed okay. the Sopranos. All right. Yeah, I would now. I wouldn't mind seeing him put his feet down in Last of Us just to see what he could do with it. So that's the one I'm going to choose. Since we're talking about all right TV directors, I'm going to go on ahead and go with David right. Chase. If I was actually two different, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, uh, I, I was going to say two different stuff? directions, sure, and, and that's what the, the fun of it. Yeah, you put anyone, and it's going to be completely different. Uh, this is not what we're getting, yeah. unless they change again. It's not what we're getting, but it's definitely two uh, two concepts I, I'd be willing to watch, to be honest. Same here. I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. Uh, let's see here. The last yeah. thing that I wanted to talk about was the Matt Reeves Joker. So, here's the thing. With me, I love the Joker. Joker's the most iconic character out of the DC universe when it comes down to Batman. I love the Joker. And, you know, I would like to actually see what a Matt Reeves Joker would mm-hmm. look like, but I also want to see other um, characters besides Joker. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I completely I like agree. Like, we've seen Joker too. often, although I am excited for this. Joker does not have to be the main character for the second one. You make it a main character for the last one. You you make them anticipate, right? You give them a tease. If you're able to do like an Arkham Asylum type storyline right. and you have Joker pulling the strings a bit, but really doing a bit of a Darth, um, a Darth Sidious route, you know, he's controlling everything in the first and second movie, but he really reveals himself as a mastermind in the third one. He has a revelation, and you actually have a lot more interaction because he's the main villain 
a bit what Star Wars did. It would work, in my opinion. Mm. I agree. Now that you mentioned that, that would, that would totally work. Because here's the thing. You know, you have him yep. playing on the sidelines. It's kind of like a Thanos kind of thing, if you think about it. Where... And, and instead, like the, the great analogy, because Thanos that like controlled things from from you know on his throne, right? But it was very cosmic, very powerful. What I would love, go to Thanos route, but right. do mind games, f up Batman's mind, like in every uh, every movie, mm-hmm. the first and second one, have events that completely mess up Bruce Wayne and Batman. Uh, that you second, you go even further into the tunnel hole. Um, and deeper in the darkness because Joker manipulates something else to make even it even more graver for Batman. Another mind F, you know? And until the third one, it's revealed it's Joker uh, that's pulling all the strings. That would be an amazing move, uh, trilogy. I agree with you on that. And you know what? Since you're talking about going in somebody's mind, oh, yeah. I would like to actually see another version of Scarecrow. And have it, and have Joker be now. Joker breaks out Scarecrow out of Arkham. Joker hires Scarecrow to go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and attack, put attack on. Batman. And that's the thing I would love to like. In the second, film. you said hire, right? What if Scarecrow doesn't even know he's being controlled? And that's like right. that's the type of a Joker I would love to see a mastermind Joker that he's so intelligent and so chaotic that. He has the power to manipulate events and the people involved are not even realizing they're being manipulated, right? Having Riddler doing his, his things, but being pushed in a direction because of Joker playing in the, in the shadows, right? That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Not only that, but There's so much political things you can do. do like, I, I recently watched uh, Joker with my girlfriend. She hasn't seen it, right? And that last scene with the crowd, right? And the right that gave me flashes of what's happening right now. There's a revolution, right? Because right. of people are getting tired. So there's so many political things with media mm-hmm. you can use with with Joker. It's amazing. <clears throat> Most definitely. And you know what? That scene is the reason why I even said something like that, because of what you mentioned with uh, the season, uh, well, not the season, but the conclusion of the Joker movie in itself, with that last scene, it, that that made me think of they could actually use something uh, like that in this next Matt Reeves movie. Yeah, and film. I really hope it works because they are talking about doing three. They, they need a new trilogy. They need a new start. But uh, you go realistic with Batman is is the way to go, and that's the way they're going. So I'm happy with that. We'll see what gives. I have one question for you though. Who plays, uh, because I got my pick, but who plays Joker? If you want to be completely okay. different from and separate yourself from the, the, the latest movie, who do you cast? Say that again? Bill Skarsgård. Uh, which Skarsgård is that? Bill Skarsgård. Oh, oh. That's the one that played yeah, that's in. A, that's it. A, very interesting, actually. And I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that because he plays yeah. the clown. He's, he's got this, this I'm weird saying that vibe, he's tall you know? and He got the... How can I say this? this? He's perfect. Chill, laid-back menace. Right. And also, too, they also mm-hmm. played a, an effect on it with the innocent eyes kind of thing, 
So if Joker has that little ability of the innocent eyes kind of thing that Scarscar can do, interesting. I'm all for it. Uh, it's very Joker different from my choice, but route. really, I I haven't thought of that at all. Uh, my choice is actually we just mentioned his show, Rami Malek, who played Mr. Robot and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. He has such an intensity. Oh. He has a, such a different look. You put him in white with green hair and like intense blue eyes. I'm sure he can really play into the devious, like the 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 personality itself. That would blow my mind to see Rami Malek as the Joker. That would be fantastic. And you know what? If we ever, if this new James Bond ever gets released next in December, you and I are going to have to do a review on that and follow up on how we think that if they did cast him as the Joker on how well he would play. Oh, yeah, for sure. For you see, I, I'm a love and hate relationship with 007. 007. I love Casino Royale. I hated everything, but um, uh, Quantum. Uh, no, not Quantum. Crap. Yeah, Skyfall. And I didn't, don't love it as much, apparently, because I forgot the name. But it, I'm not a, like an old school James Bond. I got into James Bond because of Casino <laughs> Royale. Uh, but yeah, like that, and that's the weak part. The villains are not as good. Uh, I know there's there's uh, a couple classic uh, villains, but in the new ones, what? Who are they again? You know, else than. Uh, one of them they brought back for uh, for the last one, right? But it's oh, like there's nothing memorable, right? So for except for Skyfall, and even oh. then, uh, Benicio del Toro uh, no. was that him? No, no, it, it wasn't Benicio. Yeah, Benicio was, del Toro. Um, yeah, that's that was the actor. But the other, uh, other uh, Latino. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. It is Bardem. Javier Bardem was an interesting character. Yeah, at Javier least they Bardem. tried. At least they tried, right? Uh, and I'm hoping they're doing that with Rami Malek, but adding something unique to it because they're not memorable. Right. And I think with them adding re- re- someone like Rami Malek, who did Bohemian Rhapsody will make it definitely rememberable. And also, too, we actually have Daniel Craig, who's back and passionate about James Bond. His Inspector, it just yeah. didn't seem like he was even excited for for that movie at all. You could definitely tell he was in there for a uh, for a paycheck. But with this, it seems like he's yeah, leaning I'm, into I'm, James Bond. I hope it's not the, trailer, the miracle of trailers. I, I hope it's not just the impression he gave us. But the rest of the movie, like, is completely bleh. Like the last one, the last one right. was so boring. I, I, I still haven't finished it. I tried. I, I fall asleep every every freaking time. I agree. So, oh poor you! Uh, it's still not as boring as Quantum movie. Solace. Quantum Solace is a snooze. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can agree with that, and I love Casino Royale, like you mentioned, and I love Skyfall. And I'm into that hate and yeah. uh, love relationship any, uh, as well. With any the, old James Bond like? So, so. Mm. Oh, I love the Pierce Brosnan ones. I liked uh, GoldenEye. Is my uh, favorite. GoldenEye will always be my classic favorite one. And for uh, me, I think the one I watched the most your eyes, was from uh, Russia with Love. And it's. 
It's the only That's one I like one. of the old ones, honestly. Um, although it's not a perfect one. I, there's something, the campiness and the cheesiness actually works in this one as like the other ones I don't want to find actually works as good. So yeah, that's my, my pick for the classics. All right. Well, I think that's going right. to be it for the show and everything. Hey, so it's my pleasure. Uh, anytime we can talk about movies, I'm, I'm re-quarantined again for the next two weeks. So I have nothing to do. So it, it, you're doing me a favor of actually like keeping my sa- oh. sanity by t- actually talking to someone else and my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, man. Hey, I have look, the, please do. Hey, what are you doing tomorrow, sir? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, on my end, you can. By the way, if you're not already subscribed or uh, or aware of this, hey, you're missing out. Uh, we are Schmoes out of North uh, on Facebook. If you don't know this, discover Schmodown, the best intellectual sport out there. Um, now, if you are aware of what that is, we cover it. We even have special interviews with a guest every week. And you're a movie lover. You're a wrestling lover. Schmoes of North podcast on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, all the good podcast channels. We'll have our show. Uh, and we really go that and dive deep into the psychology of movies on the Frenchie watches. So it's not just a review. We really go into, we spend an hour talking about the expandables and the actual like meaning behind the movie and PTSD. So if we can have a conversation about expandables for an hour, imagine what we can do with other movies. So subscribe to that. All right. Exactly. All right. All right, man. Well, thank you again for being yes. on. I do appreciate Bye-bye. you. And of course, at Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.